broadcast, the podcast ministry of Bethesda Church. In today's message, Pastor Roy is looking at Portraits of a Shepherd. The text for today's message is John 10, verses 1 to 21, where Jesus tells the story of the shepherd and the sheep. Open up your Bibles and follow along as Pastor Roy explains the differences between false shepherds and a true shepherd. titled the message, Portraits of a Shepherd. And we're going to read down through just the first uh, portion of this chapter, and then come back and make some uh, comments about it. So follow along with me in John, beginning in chapter 10. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the sheep gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks in the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? We'll stop there this morning. What we have before us this morning is really a contrast between two shepherds. And so the outline is very simple this morning. It's the portrait of a false shepherd versus the portrait of a true shepherd. You know, they say to really know counterfeit money, you study the real thing. You study the genuine article so that you can identify what is counterfeit and false. And I think Jesus here is contrasting himself with the false shepherds of Israel to show us the difference, the drastic difference between a true shepherd and a false shepherd. They're not close at all. And Jesus wants us to see that and to know that he is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is the chief shepherd who cares for us more than we can comprehend. 
And so this morning I want to start off uh, just sharing a little bit of a humorous story with you. Uh, A number of years ago when our boys were really young, I forgot to ask Ryan about this, but I think he'll be okay. He can tell me later if he wasn't. But anyhow, um, we used to go to a bull bucking thing in Virginia. It was only five minutes from our house. Every Friday night in the fall and spring, they had this bull bucking. It was indoors. They had bleachers. It was a wonderful thing. It was only seven bucks. That was a great part. So we'd take the whole family and enjoy it. And they had about 40 riders a night. Well, the first Friday of each month, they had what they called mutton busting. And so they had sheep come in, and the boys could ride the sheep. I was too heavy and too old. Otherwise, I would have considered it. Uh, But anyhow, the boys could ride the sheep, and so you could win a little small cash prize and a trophy and whatnot. So in order to prepare them, I think they did it a couple times, didn't you? And uh, they put baseball helmets on them so they wouldn't crack their head on the ground or something. So it was fairly safe. So in order to practice, we would get in the living room at home, and I would get down on all fours, and I said, now, wrap your legs around my body, and I'll just kind of jerk like this, you know, and shake like the sheep. And I said, just hang on. R- wrap your legs around, hang on to that fur. Well, Ryan did it for eight seconds. He, he got a little award and a trophy. So it worked that we were able to do that. Um, but sheep... Um, it was, a, it was a silly but fun thing. All right, so I want to talk to you about a portrait of a false shepherd. The first thing is the focus of a false shepherd is distorted. It is distorted because they are self-centered. A false shepherd has self-interest, and he's only interested in himself, self-advancement, self-promotion, whatever he can accomplish, it's only for himself. They are primarily driven to do things to promote their own cause. It's the what's in it for me mentality. That's where a lot of people are. What's in it for me? Their minds are disengaged when the sheep may be facing a challenge or a threat. When the shepherd needs to intervene, they are not available. And so they are very distorted. Let me show you an example in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, so the Son of Man prophesied against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. And what he is referring to there is some of the Old Testament leaders over Israel who only took care of themselves. Here in this passage, he's also referring to the Pharisees in chapter 9 because he refers later in the chapter about the blind man. Uh, And so it's really tied into that story uh, about the blind man. Can a demon, he said, open the eyes of the blind was the last verse we read. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, you false shepherds are blind to the truth. And so he is bringing a condemnation against them, and they're only taking care of themselves. Look at what else it goes on to say. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourself with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd, And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. 
Therefore, you, the shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declared the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because of my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than my flock. That is a description of a false shepherd. They're only interested in themselves. What are they going to get out of it? And they're not interested in the sheep at all. You see, the focus of a false shepherd is on taking and not giving. The responsibility of the gatekeeper. Here he talks in here about a gatekeeper. The man who enters, he says in verse 2, by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate. The watchman here is referring to John the Baptist because John the Baptist was the one who ushered in and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And he was preparing the world. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So he was the gatekeeper who was coming and indeed did come uh, in that regard. The sheep pen that is listed here, he he talks about the sheep pen by the gate. The sheep pen consisted of four stone walls that could have been as high as 10 feet or more high And they would usher the sheep in there at night to protect them. And it was the gatekeeper's job. The shepherd would actually go rest at night. And this was talking about a sheep pen that would have been in town near homes. And the shepherd would have went and rested while the gatekeeper watched over the sheep at night. And the shepherd would come back and get his sheep uh, the next morning. The leadership of a false shepherd is also destructive destructive. Look here in Jeremiah 23. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people, because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. These false shepherds are characterized as thieves and robbers. That's what it says here in our text. And they seek to climb in some other way. Let's define these thieves and robbers. A thief is one who takes away stealthily. It implies trickery and deception. That's what a false shepherd does. To gain influence and power over people, they use trickery and deception. It is not based on truth and on the word of God. A robber... Similar, one who takes away by threats or weapons or by threat of injury or harm. That's the way they do it. The thief steals by fraud and in secret, and the robber seeks to use violence in how they handle things. Metaphorically, it means false teachers or deceivers who steal men away from the truth. We have people out there who are trying to steal people away from the truth. And notice what he says here in John 10, 8. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, the authority of a false shepherd is not from God. That's not where they get their authority from. Their message is not based on truth. Some of you may have seen some people in here on South Dakota holding signs downtown. 
They are not people who are following Jesus. It's a cult. They are not following the truth. They are following a false shepherd. You say, how do you know that? I've talked to their leadership. Some of our leaders have talked to their leaders at length for hours over doctrinal issues and theological issues, and they are not following Jesus. If you read their signs, some of their signs, you will see that in their signage of some of the things they hold. One of their signs says this, you must change for God to accept you. Says who? That is not based on biblical truth. We can't change. That's why we need the good shepherd. We cannot change ourselves. If I could change myself, Jesus didn't need to come and give his life on the cross. Jesus died, shed his blood that we could be forgiven and cleansed and become a new person in Christ. I can't change myself. And that's what that sign says. They also do not believe that Jesus is a substitute for sin. They said, he's our example. I said, baloney. <laughs> he's our substitute for sin. That's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John 2, 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those, for the sins of the whole world. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I was a sinner, not changed, unchanged, condemned, and lost, Christ died for me so I could get changed. But I don't do that before I come to Christ. I do that when I come to Christ. <laughs> and these false teachers will say something different. False shepherds will say something different. We need to know the truth, and we need to be not ashamed of it. We need to stand up for it and speak the truth. And whenever somebody begins to change the atonement and say that there's some other way, and they will hold the fact, too, that a person will gain righteousness through good works as well as salvation through good works. Righteousness and salvation come through works is what this cult teaches. That is false. The Bible says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. When we met with their leadership... Their leadership said, you follow the gospel of Paul, and we follow the gospel of Jesus. I said, I didn't know they disagreed. When I read my Bible, Paul agrees with Jesus. And so there are many, many reasons that's a cult and a false group. And I warn you, that's a cult. We have that responsibility as shepherds to warn people. Thirdly, the relationship of a false shepherd is distant. What happens when a wolf comes? They run away. They abandon the sheep. They don't care for the sheep. They don't have a connection with the sheep. They're apathetic about the needs of the sheep, and they have no real desire to aid the sheep who need help. And so they're very distant, and they don't build the relationship. Fourthly, the function of a false shepherd is disloyal. They're unfaithful in their care of sheep. 
and they are not trustworthy. We read a moment ago about Jeremiah 23 where God condemned the shepherds of Israel. Penned by the great prophet Jeremiah because God had also rejected, you know who one of the shepherds was? King Zedekiah, last king of Judah. He had broken God's covenant, and because he broke God's covenant, Zedekiah and the people of Israel were hauled off into Babylonian captivity. You remember that? And you know what happened to Zedekiah as a result of breaking God's covenant and being taken captive? They systematically executed his sons in front of him, and then they poked out his eyes. And the last thing he ever saw was the execution of his children. What a price to pay when we don't follow God's covenant and God's law. God does not appreciate disloyalty. Jeremiah did go on, though, to offer hope as he predicted in Jeremiah 23, 5, that God would one day raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who would raise wisely and do what is just and right in the land, and that righteous branch came in the person of Jesus Christ, who John says is the good shepherd, who gave his life for the sheep. And that's the hope that we have, is in the good shepherd Let's go on and look at the portrait of a true shepherd this morning. We're going to look at the same four areas here. The focus of the true shepherd is clear. Galatians 4, 4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. The focus of the true shepherd is clear. He had a clear mission of why he came. And therefore, his authority to be the good shepherd and the true shepherd came not from him. It came from the Father. He was sent by the Father. And notice it says here, early in our passage, it says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. In other words, the Pharisees were trying to climb in by some other way, by Judaism, by the law, by ceremony. And Jesus said it's only by Jesus Christ can you enter the sheepfold. And it's only through God the Father that Jesus rightfully could claim the leadership of his people and be the good shepherd because he did it God's way in the fullness of time. He came to earth to fulfill what the Father had in mind and his mission was very clear that he would give his life on the cross. Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. It was predicted by Isaiah that he would come as a, through a virgin. And so he came the right way. Notice it says the shepherd. How does the man who enters in verse 2? By the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gate was the prophecy that God established. The prophecy in Isaiah and other places as well. And Jesus came that way. And Micah 5, 2 is another prophecy that he would be born in Bethlehem. And he was. Matthew 1, 21 and 22 says the purpose of why he was born, that he would one day come to save his people from their sins. That's why he came, to save his people from their sins. The second thing we see here is the leadership of the true shepherd is compassionate. A shepherd, listen, is one who takes care of the sheep 
He protects the sheep and he provides for the sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. Look here, Jesus, our shepherd, lays down his life voluntarily, sacrificially, obediently, and lovingly. That's what he came to do. And let's look at each one of these just quickly. Voluntarily, John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 10, 14, I lay down my life for the sheep. Nobody took Jesus' life. He says that later. No one takes it from me. I voluntarily lay it down for you. That's the good shepherd. He did it voluntarily. Secondly, he did it sacrificially. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He died in our place. He became the supreme sacrifice for sin. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He died sacrificially for us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He became the sacrifice. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we through the righteousness of Christ might be made righteous. Spurgeon said, My hope is not because I am not a sinner, but because I am a sinner for whom Christ died. My trust is not that I am holy, but that being unholy, Christ died for me. He was the sacrifice for us. He also died obediently. Philippians 2.8, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He obeyed the Father fully, and that's why his death is sufficient for all who will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Fourthly, he died lovingly. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died. He paid the price. He paid the penalty in full for us. Greater love is no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That's what he did on our behalf. He died, not because we deserve it, but because of his grace and his mercy. The sheep hear his loving voice. Notice he says in verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. They would say that when the sheep would come together into the sheep pen at night, there would actually be several flocks that would come in at one time. And so the only way they could separate them is the shepherd would come and he would begin to call his sheep by name. Another shepherd would come and begin to call his sheep by name. And it separated the sheep according to the shepherd's voice. Because the sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. And so should we if we are God's children. We should know his voice. The sheep also follow his loving leadership. Where does the shepherd lead us? According to Psalm 23, 2 and 3, He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus is knowledgeable. He is well-informed. He's insightful. He knows every crevice of my heart. He knows every crevice of your heart. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows your greatest fear. He knows your greatest burden. He knows your greatest struggle. He is the good shepherd. And not only does he know, he wants to minister to you and to me like nobody else can. Who are you going to call at 3 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> I can tell you who you can call and whose line is never busy. The good shepherd. 
Have you talked to him in the middle of the night? How about when your heart is breaking over something? Who do you talk to? You can go to the doctor, but a doctor can't fix a broken heart. But the great physician can. He can fix a broken heart. He can fix a life that has been broken and ravaged by sin if we will give our life to him. He is that kind of loving shepherd. He says this in Psalm 23, 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's saying the word of God is my comfort. The rod of the shepherd was used to protect and beat off wild animals, but it's also used to minister comfort to my soul. You know, the Psalms, I I have heard it said that the Psalms are like a medicine chest for the soul. And it's so true. It's like a medicine chest for the soul. We can take it in and we can have the shepherd minister to us. The wisdom of the shepherd, listen to this carefully, the wisdom of the shepherd has the ability to erase the worry of the sheep. Did you hear me? The wisdom of the shepherd has the ability to erase the worry of the sheep. What else is our shepherd like? The relationship of the true shepherd is close. He is intimate. In Isaiah 40, 11, it says this. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lamb in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. <laughs> That's what a shepherd does. He's right there. He's not there saying, go for it, go for it. He is carrying us near his heart. Safe in the arms of Jesus is an old hymn. That's where he carries us, his children. Now, I don't know about you, but we live in a wicked, fallen, mixed up, chaotic world. We're not going to get that kind of care in the White House. (laughs) I'm not going to get that kind of care in education or any other place. It comes from the shepherd who loves us and cares for us more than we can comprehend. There was a gifted speaker who was giving a challenge and a compassionate talk, and toward the close of her address, she shared a dream. In the dream, she was running from danger. In the coastal sands, she observed her tracks and those she thought were God's. He was ever so close and protective, having survived many threatening experiences at last, sorrow struck while on her spiritual pilgrimage. The trauma moved her to talk boldly with God, saying, you were with me through danger and disappointment. I could see your tracks as you accompanied me. But when death came to the family, you seemed to have disappeared. Where were you? My child, God gently replied, you only saw one set of tracks because I was carrying you. He holds us close to his heart. I want to show us in this last one the function of the true shepherd is complete. It is absolutely complete. Jesus Christ lacks nothing. He is able to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I just want to quickly, just from the Gospel of John, show us the sufficiency of the Good Shepherd. 
some things we've already studied. Jesus pointed out the need of Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to understand that you were conceived in sin and you need to be born a second time into a spiritual birth. And the only way you can do that is through me, through Jesus Christ. So Jesus pointed out the need of a Jewish ruler and he could make him complete. Jesus identified with an embarrassed woman. John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana, they were running out of wine and they came to Jesus and he fixed the problem. Identifying with her need because our good shepherd is complete. Thirdly, Jesus concerned himself with the royal official's son who was sick. Jesus was geographically removed, but he said, go, your son is healed. And he touched the man right where he needed to be touched. Jesus shared with a woman at the well who had suffered several broken relationships and was in another one. Her life was absolutely in shambles. And the good shepherd came and told her how she could find living water. It's a powerful message. The good shepherd is there for every one of us. Jesus supplied food for 500, really 5,000 plus hungry people. They had more than enough. That's the good shepherd. He cares for us. Jesus calmed the fear of the disciples on the stormy sea. The middle of the night, they were in a storm. Jesus showed up. The good shepherd. He's that kind of God. I close with this story. A school teacher in England tells a charming story. At Christmas time, she was supervising the construction of a manger scene in a corner of a classroom. The children participated happily in the project. They also enjoyed casting characters for the drama depicting the nativity. The teacher noticed one boy was particularly enamored by it all and was forever going back and forth to the scene. At last, she asked him if there was anything bothering him. He said, no. She said, are there any questions you would like to ask? Yes, he said. What I'd like to know is, where does God fit in? Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. And I want to come back to that question. Where does God fit in to your life? As you look at the things that you are currently trying to handle or something that you are facing, where does God fit into the equation? Are you trusting in the good shepherd? Or are you looking to a false shepherd? That's really the choices we have. But we've seen the true shepherd, his love, his care, his knowledge, his wisdom, his ability. We have seen over and over in the Gospel of John the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. We have seen over and over every reason for me to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and no good reason not to. <laughs> What's the alternative? 
And so I challenge you this morning, if you're here this morning, you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to become your Savior, your Good Shepherd. This is the moment of salvation for you. Don't delay. Give your life to Jesus Christ. I know in a crowd this size that probably everyone here is not a believer. And I challenge you to give your life to Jesus Christ. There is no other way for your eternal inheritance other than in Jesus. To trust him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a believer in Jesus and you said, you know what? (laughs) I needed to be reminded this morning that I have a good shepherd because I've got some heavy things on my heart. I have good news for you. You don't have to carry it alone. You don't have to figure it all out yourself. The wisdom of the shepherd is there. The care of the shepherd, the sufficiency of the shepherd is there. Would you bring it to him today? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Would you be willing to trust him this morning? We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.